did what? I did podcasts a lot when I was like doing temp jobs. So I would be sitting at a desk in an office, like, you know, I don't know, filing or stapling things. And so I would be listening to books on tape and mm. stuff like that a lot. But when you said you do podcasts, I thought you meant that you literally would host a podcast. Uh, I'm They're gonna like, do that now. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Do it. Just get temp jobs and then just be sitting there. <laughs> I'm in the office. <laughs> you have to record it on your Apple like earbuds, though. Yep. So it's going to sound like, this week with Michael Johnson, it's, uh, I'm at the, uh, the Tuesday temp job where I'm walking dogs. It's like you're fighting that microphone with traffic and barks. That's such a good idea. That would actually not be bad. Yeah, there's like that's one of those things where you could make it a web series or you could make it a podcast, and it's like, Maybe, you know, I don't know. It's like I feel like there would be a tendency to make that into a web series these days when podcasts are kind of like un, not really explored that much. Right. In terms of like where we can go in them. Right. But in terms of where we can go today, I think we could start with learning your name. Hi. Today, my friends, hello. We have a very special guest like we do every week. But to, this guest is particularly special because... There are so many connections to what we are doing at Rock Rising, to why she is here today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. I'm very excited. There were several moments uh, when she got here where I had to like um, literally shut my mouth <laughs> from what I was going to say because I wanted to save it for um, us yeah. now. Yeah. So, hi. hi. I'm Monica Jones-Diaz. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Where are you coming from? Um, you mean just like, where was I an hour ago? I don't know, maybe both. <laughs> I, I I took the bus here from East Harlem, um, but I'm from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Whoa. Yeah. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Yeah. What is that about? <laughs> what were you doing in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma? Um, well, born and raised. Born and raised oh, cool. in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, so that, that is where I hail from. That's where my y'alls are from. What were your parents doing there? Uh, my father's from there. Oh, your father's from yeah, there. My cool. father's from there, and I think my parents moved there when my grandmother got sick and just decided to stay there. Yeah. The more I grow up, the more I'm just kind of weirded out at where people end up and why. Because mm -hmm. as a kid, I would just always assume that everything was for a reason. And I think a lot of that was like because of my religious upbringing as well, but also I was just... I would question things, but there was like, I would always kind of find an answer for it. Mm. So it's always interesting to me to like find out where people are from. Yeah. My great grandmother was full blood Native American. Um, there's actually a lot of conversation in my family right now because we want to explore, like, we want to find out exactly what, um, like, what tribe we're from. Um, and then, um, long story short, uh, Oklahoma was um, a pretty, pretty much a safe haven when slaves were freed because it was just Indian territory. Hmm. Um, so there are a lot of like small, predominantly black towns that still exist there. And so um, my ancestors settled there and built farms. Um, and then eventually my great-grandfather met my great-grandmother and um, I just kept going until me. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do right now? We know your name. Such a good we question. We know where you're from. <laughs> I want to know what you do. Um, I am a, I like to say that I'm a storyteller. Yeah. Because um, my artistry is kind of evolving. I kind of put acting to the side at the beginning of this year. Um, was that but, your focus? Yeah, that was my focus. That's okay. what brought me to New York. Um, I've been acting for about 15 years, um, and then I finally just decided to take a step back from it. Um, so this year I've done some directing, um, some company management, and I'm a teaching artist. So, and what? And I'm a teaching artist. Awesome. I was adjusting my headset, and all I heard was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> teaching artist. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so acting. How was that? It was amazing. I think I, I like to say that acting saved my life, if that doesn't sound too dramatic. It, well, I mean, it might, <laughs> but 
<laughs> that's acting, you know? Right, exactly. It wouldn't have been what it was if it wasn't that. Right. If that makes any sense. So um, what? why acting? What, what drew you to that? Uh, I went to a performing arts high school, but I went um, middle school and high school, but I went for violin. So I was an orchestra. We had majors. So I was an orchestra major. Uh, and then one day... Uh, in a random class, we had a substitute teacher, and so they took us to the drama class, and they were doing improv, and I jumped in, and I loved it. And um, afterwards, the teacher pulled me aside and said, hey, if you want to change your major, you can. We'd love to have you. Whoa. So yeah, 10th grade, I switched majors, and I became an acting major, and I don't know, it was the only place I got to be like genuinely weird <laughs> like and not be ashamed about right. it. And so... right. That's where it all starts. Well, it's interesting because you can. Exp- there are so many ways to express yourself as an artist, especially if you have the skills and technique to do both, like violin or cello, trumpet, and act or dance or whatever. But when you can, I think the difference between music, especially like a symphony orchestra and performing arts on, on the stage, is you can be given music and dynamics. You know. Uh, tempo, the whatever the musical part is, all of that, and in, in you're basically interpreting what the artist has laid out for you. You're doing the same thing as an actor, but you can bring an, many other layers on top of it. Because mm-hmm. I think there's some limitation to symphony orchestra in that you you are expected to create this type of sound. Right. And you get the job if you can create this sound better than that guy creating this sound. Right. But um, that's what I loved. That's what drew me to acting as well was just like being able to be truly weird but still telling the story that was intended to be told because like the story demanded that. Right. Like my weirdness honored the story. Mm -hmm. Like it was a gift to the story, not something that limited telling the story. When's the first time that that clicked with you? Um, like a show or a moment in your career as an actor? I mean, I think it probably clicked for me the first time I did a show, like as a young adult. So I did Rumors um, by Neil Simon, and I played the character Cookie. And it was this insane set, and um, Cookie was just this very, I don't know if you're familiar with the play, but she's kooky. (laughs) And so I... I just got to explore this funny side of me and 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 I got to make do weird sounds and and I got to be more physical than I've ever been and I just was so self-conscious and so doing this just got me out of my own <laughs> yeah, body dude. and it was like really dope and yeah I was like oh yeah this is for me theater can do that yeah where you just like and I'm humiliated. I'm going to keep going, though, because that's what I need to do, do, do. Yes. And you're like, boom, we're here. That's And it's almost like those moments make the show or make theater special and unique for that given time. It's like we were talking about surfing earlier. If, you, if you're in the right place at the right time you were meant to, and you get up, you were meant to ride that wave. And it's like it. that. if you catch it, it belongs to you. And I think that's what we're trying to do in the theater is we're trying to catch it. We're yeah. trying to catch a wave and have the audience ride it with us as well. Right. And um, I, I think those, I, I've said this before in the podcast and in conversations about this, but there are those moments on stage where you don't even really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it again, like you could, you are still telling the story but you're there and your impulses are truly being um, influenced by what's what you're being given. Mm-hmm. You're not it's you're, you're not just performing. You're actually there using what the tools that have been given to you to express how you actually feel. Exactly. Because you're riding that wave. And then when those when it's done, you're like, wait, what, what did I even do anything? Like when you catch waves surfing, it's like, was I even doing anything? I bet. Like, I think the best lesson that I I learned as an actor was that I would achieve more or I could go further with ease, with relaxing, with Mm -hmm. settling in, with trusting, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think kind of sounds a lot like what we were talking about with surfing. It's just, it's not, you don't force it. You just catch it. It's just there. 
Um, and so that's kind of what I found with performing. It was just like finding this groove and settling in and trusting the rehearsal, trusting the work, <clears throat> trusting the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you could find like a really beautiful spiritual place if right. you were doing it right, quote unquote. Yeah. Yep. It, it did feel like I grew up in the church and mm. a lot of, you know, the the theater and everything that was involved with that became a religious like ritual almost mm. where I expected to see the same finger air quotes congregation. Like this, these were my people. I saw them every day for rehearsal and it was expected to see them. And we would work through things together and like face parts of ourselves that were hard to get through, but we did it together and we did it in a community. We kept each other accountable, you know? And it's like that fulfilled a lot of those spirits spots in my heart and in my life Mm -hmm. so I can really I really really love theater and I think it's very very powerful so I'm always excited to see how artists can take that and and expand its reach to people outside of theater so the fact that you you've already kind of alluded to this like you're you're multi you're you're in different areas in this world so multifaceted multifaceted we talked about this with (laughs) who was it um, Andrew? Yeah. No, Michael Kushner. I think we talked about this with Michael Kushner about being a multifaceted artist. Mm. So w- how long did you do the acting thing? It was, you discovered it in high school, then did you go to uh, college for it? Yeah, I went cool. to the University of Oklahoma, so boomer sooner, uh, and I got my BFA in acting. It's a four-year program. And then my plan was to go out to L.A. Well, before we get to L.A., plans was the acting program there rigorous it was it was rigorous I think it was rigorous for me at the time I think moving to New York I and I learned about other programs I realized Mm -hmm. there was um it was probably a lot easier than I thought it was um but it was rigorous it was we we studied the Stanislavski method um, so that's kind of the as if theory. So, right. um, and of course it was very important that we, we took our costuming, set designs, um, lighting design, stage management classes. So they wanted you to leave not only as an actor, but to be able to fulfill any role within theater. Super important. Um, very important. Um, and then there was a lot of fostering of creating your own work. So I was supported a lot in going out and, um, writing or collaborating with other people outside of the theater. So I was able to work with and start a theater company with a group of friends. And so we did what? that for a couple of years. Yeah, while, yeah. While in college? While in college. What? Yeah. That's nuts. Okay. What was this theater company called? Mo Wash Productions. Mo Shout Wash. out to Moses. Um, Yo, that's yes. cool. <laughs> uh, Moses, he used to, he was a football player and he ran track. And one day he wrote a play. And it was uh, it was just about a bunch of college friends um, and them dealing with, you know, early 20s situations. The play was called Situations. Hmm. And so anyway, by coincidence, we met up or maybe perfectly timed we met up and he asked me to come on board as an assistant director. And for years we did, he wrote plays and we co-produced them. And Whoa. Yeah. So... D- just a football player decided to just start writing plays. Yep. That is magical. So he got all of his other football players and track stars involved. And then there was a bunch of church like singers and musicians. And then I got a couple of theater folks. So we were just a hodgepodge of people just wanting to tell stories. So what was situations about? Uh, situations centered around um, these four guys that were roommates in college and their different relationships with people. And, uh, I mean, it was so, I, I, if I could go back and read the script, I'm sure we would all be like <laughs> dying laughing about how like really like probably overdramatic it was and how we thought that our relationships at 21 were like the biggest thing in the world. Um, I wonder if it could work as like an animated series. I'm sure it could. <laughs> with like animals instead of people or something. That would be but amazing. But the circumstances is like exactly the same. That would be amazing. 
That would be incredible. Uh, but yeah, no, we did it like it was, you know, uh, one guy was in love with a girl and then she found out she was pregnant and what were they going to do? And it was just like exploring. Love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> but was we it? really thought we were like, we were changing the world. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important to feel that way. Yeah. I think with all of my endeavors, like there's a part of me that I either trick my brain into to thinking that it's like... I'm changing the world, or at least I'm changing my world. Hmm. Or maybe I'm not tricking my brain, and at this point I've just kind of developed this muscle to to just flex when I need. Like, this is the most important thing. And I think I'm also I have obsessive tendencies, so it's good for me to, like, ch- keep that in check as well. Right. Yep. But, again, with <laughs> what the type of work that we do, it's like you kind of have to be obsessive about what you're doing. Yeah. So it's cool to know that you had that spirit in that project while you were still like in college studying what it is to do what you were already doing. That's like what I think is so important. And if I could go back and if I could give advice to anyone who's listening to this, who's either contemplating going to XYZ college for XYZ degree in theater arts is like, okay, yeah, go study that maybe. But if you're going to study it, that's great understand the risks and the challenges involved, but also be active in that field while you're studying it. Yes. My school, I had a great experience at my school, but they actively encouraged us not to. Really? Like audition as actors. Mm. I'm like, well, that's the only tool we actually need to sharpen right now. Huh. Is like your job as an actor for the first five two to five years maybe even is just learning how to audition. Mm. Like that's, that's the networking Yeah, is like being disciplined to go to auditions and, and being a recognizable face in that casting directors, you know, brain, right. In their brain space. Right. It's like catching that wave and you're not going to catch the wave unless you're out there in the water. Mm -hmm. So that's what you need to learn. You don't need to learn Chekhov when you're, Going to be, first of all, A, auditioning, B, auditioning for roles that are you, which is you sitting on your couch on your phone trying to have a conversation with one of your friends. Right. Right. About, like, grocery shopping at Trader Joe's and how the, like, line was way too long. I mean, we were so grateful. I I was so grateful because they brought in um, um, voiceover, like, technicians and teachers and taught us how to do voiceovers and set us up so that we had voiceover reels by the time we were done with that class and um they uh they like during the summer they tried to get us involved in like summer stock or they tried to get us connected with the local agents agencies so I was able to do some commercial work while I was in Oklahoma City and um some print work and just just to get me a little bit more confident before I went out to a bigger city. And I guess maybe yeah. it's easier to do it in somewhere like Norman, Oklahoma, because mm-hmm. uh, it's not a lot going on. Um, but I guess that was the benefit of a, of a college that's not like in the heart of, you know, New York City. Sure. But also, like you said earlier, it's, it's like it was rigorous for you. So in that sense, it's relative to you and your world. Like maybe, like I used to look back at the things that I did in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It's like, it's not that big. It's Chattanooga, Tennessee. But when I was doing those things there, like that's where I was. And that's everything that was to me. Right. So it was a big deal. So I think that what you did and all of the stuff that your program put you through was rigorous, not just for you, just it was rigorous, period. Right. Because, like, that's training that I wish I had. But I also had really good training in the things that I was trained in. So it's like, whatever. Yeah. It's like, I was just at a different beach, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I love this surfing keeps coming back. I love it. Got him. I I get obsessive, (laughs) and then I just start making parallels with everything because I have to justify why I'm doing it. This is beautiful. I'm Yeah. So every time today you've said maybe it's over dramatic, I'm like, nope, it's not, because all I think about is this <laughs> and that and not much else. So what's up? Okay, so acting to what was the next um, facet? Um, well, when I got to New York and for acting, for acting, 
um, it was hard. And for me, I started to get, my worth started to get wrapped up in acting. Hmm. So if I wasn't cast or I didn't get the call back or I didn't get the feedback that felt good, I wasn't worthy. And so I just kind of started to beat myself up. So I struggled for a really long time. Um, But at the same time, I started to discover some other things like writing and how much I really loved to write. Um, I loved, I found that I really loved workshopping new plays. Um, I, I became very passionate about that and decided I wanted to produce like new works. Um, but I'm kind of a perfectionist at times. And I was like, there's no way I can be a producer. And, um, unless I go and I dabble into all the other roles Mm -hmm. that make up the theater so that I could be the best producer I can be. Mm -hmm. So then it became a pursuit of like, okay, well, let me learn what company management is. Let me learn what general management is. Let me learn. So I kind of gave myself my own re-education. And so I started picking up jobs um, that I thought were going to make me a better producer. And um, So what what was one of those first jobs that you picked up? Uh, so other than like my survival, my 90,000 survival jobs. What was one of those? Oh, no. <laughs> I love hearing these. Well, I told you I worked for a temp company. So every other week I was sent out to like crazy offices. I really should just write stories about temp work because these people are a hot mess. You should make that podcast. I should make that podcast. Um, I waited tables. I was a box office manager for a show called Girls Night the Musical. Girls Night the Musical? Mm-hmm. And I was not only the box office manager, but I did concessions. And it was straight up like <laughs> middle-aged ladies. Handled the money and the popcorn. <laughs> Yummy. Yes. No, but I was handing out, you know, pink boas. And the songs in the musical were like, it's raining men. <laughs> it was that kind of musical. Okay. <laughs> so old ladies doing what? <laughs> uh, dancing on the host that was like ripped or oh, like dancing on tables and getting awesome. drunk and throwing money. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. For real? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I, <laughs> I managed that. Did you uh, look forward to like going there? And like working? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> just for the like scene. It was fun. It was yeah. good to like sit back and just <laughs> laugh at it all. Um, but it was crazy. Um, what else did I do? I um, I would... I would... I would like write... Um, I would like write and edit papers for people sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do some PA work sometimes. I had a million... You would write papers for people? Mm-hmm. Or edit, like, like yep. type up and edit papers. My friends would get, they buy would, papers. They would. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It was lucrative. There's oh, this wow. um, Lies of La Clamora. It's this weird fiction series mm-hmm. about this like orphaned kid who grew up in some really tough conditions in this weird city that was like surrounded by canal, a canal system, a really intricate canal system. And he was like kind of adopted by this father of a church who ran a really secretive, like thieving business with orphaned kids that he would like rescue and teach them how to be thieves. (laughs) But they were a family. It's really good series. And one of the phrases is thieves prosper. So, hey, if you're out there writing papers for people, keep doing that. Because like you just said, you graduated and then you re-educated yourself to do what you actually, like where your life was taking you. Yeah. So it's like, hey, keep writing those papers for your friends. No one cares, dude. Luckily, I've thieves prosper. moved on from writing writing up papers for people. Writing, you moved on from writing papers for people. And then so other than your survival jobs you were saying something else and then i cut you off because i wanted to know what those survival you jobs wanted. were which so, was uh, for instance right now for people. i can't even <laughs> you got people thinking okay um so like right now i'm a company manager for the play company um and so uh, i've done a couple of shows for them and company management is uh, i believe that a lot of these administrative jobs are artistic in their own right you know um hmm that they, you may not be performing or, but you're serving the production 100%. in some way. 
Uh, so it's been lovely to be able to interact with the performers on that side mm. and to be able to be the go-between between the front office and the producers and the general managers and the actors. Um, yeah, and I do a lot of front of house work. Um, but really and truly, I think that what's kind of opened me up as an artist mostly is I started teaching, um, doing teaching improv and teaching um, Shakespeare to young people, students. So Teaching improv. So is there a fun like improv game that we could play right now? Oh. Because I usually do question of the day. Um, at the beginning or end, or sometimes I do it both, and then sometimes we play improv games, mm. like mind meld. But if there's a game you want to play, I'd be down to play it, either now or later. Okay. We can play uh, Two Lies, One Truth. Ooh. It's okay. very simple since we're sitting here. Okay. Um, so essentially, you need to tell me three things about yourself. And um, it's two truths, one lie. I messed up. Sorry. Two and, truths and one lie. Yeah. And I need to, two of them need to be true and one needs to be a lie. And then I will ask you questions and see if I can figure out which is the lie. Okay. Let me think. Okay. Let me think about it. I can swallow my tongue. I've skated under a 18-wheeler. I have hung off the side of a building with one hand. <laughs> uh, um, what was the first one again? I you can swallow your can tongue. swallow my tongue. When did you discover that? It was kind of like when I discovered that I was adopted. I never. I never knew the first day I discovered it, but it, it was always something that I could, like, show my friends. Does it hurt? No, it's not comfortable. <laughs> and do you remember the day that you skated underneath the 18-wheeler? Yes. What did, what, can you describe what happened? Was the 18-wheeler in motion? It was not at the time that I skated under it, but it was... It was in motion of making a right turn. It was not in motion at the time, but it was it was going to make a right. So it was, it was the timing. danger was that like it could be moving at any minute. Yes. Oh, okay. And when did that? Where did and that it happen? It was kind of moving. It was kind of moving. It was like you know when you're like in traffic, but you let off the brakes and go a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was like doing that. And where was this? Excuse it was delicious. Me? It was delicious. When I lie, I. You burp. <laughs> I'm just trying to throw you off yeah. your trail. Mm -hmm. um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where were you? Oh, oh, oh. This was either Lexington or Park Avenue. Oh, so in New York City. Yes. Okay. And where were you when you were hanging off the building? In Harlem. Which arm? My right, because it's my strongest, obviously. Which arm do you write with? Right with? Yeah. My right. Okay. And was that by accident or do you, did you purposefully hang off the side no, of the No, I was thrill-seeking. You were thrill-seeking. So you, you jumped to the wall to hang No. It was like you get on it and you, you slowly hang off. You, so you, I started with two hands uh -huh. and there was like a fire escape down to my left. And so what I did was I put my left foot on the fire escape while I balanced out with both my hands. Mm -hmm. And then when I felt comfortable, I let go of my foot and then let go of my left hand and just kind of like hung there. And, and uh, sorry, just to go back, when you say you swallow your tongue, you just swallow the tip? Uh, no, I can make the whole thing disappear. The whole tongue disappear. Yeah. I would say I'll do it for you right now, but... That and that would reveal one of the things. I'm also trying to throw you off your trail. And you said that you made the left turn or the truck was making the left turn or the right turn? It was making a right turn. Okay, cool. And kind of moving, but not really. Kind of moving, but not moving. And you came from the side or the back? Well, I came from, I was going with traffic. So going downhill with traffic. So it was making a right turn. So I went underneath the belly of it. Mm-hmm. But from the side or the back? It was like the side because it was turning. So if this is the intersection, mm -hmm. it was like 
in the middle of turning, so I came right boom under it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. From the side. Mm-hmm. From its left side. Okay. And I'm sorry, last question. Did you say it was a left arm that was hanging from the wall? It was the right <laughs> hand was the right that hand. was hanging from the oh, wall, okay. <laughs> supporting my right arm, which was supporting my body. <laughs> Roasted. Okay, gun, you gun, do, gun, you're gun, doing gun, this gun. really well. You're yeah. too good of a liar. I also did four years of acting. <laughs> I'm, I did a lot of years of acting, and I'm not that good of a liar. Well, I mean, in school. Like, that's what I studied, so I would hope <laughs> oh, that my degree oh, okay. would show. Okay. No, okay. okay. <laughs> but I'm uh, not. I'm gonna say that I, I think it's the tongue. That's the lie. I don't actually, but I think it's the tongue. But it was hard to differentiate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the tongue is the truth. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my god, he did it, y'all. He did it. He it's, did it. It was gone, and now it's back. Okay, so then I get a second guess. <laughs> okay. Is it? Oh, you did so good. Thanks. Um, I think it's the uh, cold brew concentrate. Is that what it is? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, was it the truck? It was not. Oh my god! Because I actually want to make a vlog series on my dangerous stunts on wheels. Oh, so I practice things like that. You did so good. We teach Thanks. our we we teach the kids like the hope is that you take ownership of the stories, right? So mm-hmm. not and just and the details, obviously. Um, and that's where you can trip them up a lot is because right. you can either go back and have them recall the details they just said, and usually they don't remember the parts that they were lying about. Right. But you did. It goes back to me like making, I get a <clears throat> weird and obsessive about things. So then I like try to, this is do or die. This is all that matters right mm-hmm. now. So I, then that makes me think of like circumstances that I can remember that are simple, but also like triggering. Mm-hmm. Like that feeling of looking over a building is super high. You don't really forget things like that. I I climb or used to climb a lot. Mm-hmm. And I liked bouldering because it was like 12 feet tops. But I would do some route climbing just to practice endurance. And you would get up there and then look down at the person holding the other end of the rope. And it's just like, Ugh. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So I remember those moments. So I just try, when I lie, I try to make make it as truthful and as important to me as I can. Because hanging out the side of the building is something I kind of want to (laughs) do. I wish I was Spider-Man. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So can you play this now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then we'll get back to your life, and then we'll wrap (laughs) this up before it's too long, because... Um, Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. I have... Wait, let me do the math. One plus one plus one. Okay. I have three stories. Um, just on my side, I have eleven nieces and nephews. Um. When I was young, I almost fell into a dam. And. I am allergic to onions. And I just get to guess the lie? Yeah, you have to pinpoint your, the lie. Your lie is yeah. that you're allergic to onions. Why? Why did I guess that? Yeah. Because it's like, first of all, what? Why would you be allergic <laughs> to onions? <laughs> and second of all, it was the last one. And sometimes I think when... I'm like trying to get a kid to choose something. I save it for the last one because it has the most emphasis. It's like punctuating. Do you want this or do you want that? And they're usually like, I want that. And I'm like, word, because I wanted this. (laughs) Okay. That's why. That's why. So is that your final answer? Yeah. And I I could be wrong. I'm not trying to be like, it's onions. I'm just, I'm trying to write, own my story with confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I don't like it that you're right. I'm right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I got that wave. <laughs> you got the wave. Oh, the I oh, love see? it. I told you I'm not like I got barreled. I, I like Sorry. my like it was another serving. <laughs> I thought that you would ask me to like name all 11 of them and I was like, here we go. I can do oh, this. Oh no. <laughs> no, I was like it's the onion thing. 
because that would just be such a hassle in your life. <laughs> I don't with eat like onions. restaurants that I oh you don't I don't why eat not? onions I just don't like them oh yeah so that's why I picked that one. So when you eat them, what what is it? What is the experience of eating an onion like for someone who doesn't like them? I'm just not a fan of the flavor, or the taste of it. Like even like, when they're cooked and like. I mean, there's a couple of instances like if it's in like pico de gallo, like and it's not chunky. Mm, right. It's more thinly sliced. Yes. I can handle it. Yes. Chunky onions throws me off. I just like almost, I'm sorry, I just like kind of almost gagged like thinking about like <laughs> there's a scene from Holes where they've been ravenous. Do you know Holes? Mm-mm. Stanley Yelnats? No. Okay. Shia LaBeouf played mm-hmm. a character called Stanley Yelnats in this um, Disney movie called Holes that was based on a book written by someone I don't know. It was about these convict kids who instead of going to jail or prison or juvie, juvie, they were sentenced to like however many years that they would have spent in the prison in, um, digging holes for some random reason. I think they were looking for a treasure, but it was basically like slave labor f- for these kids. And um, they battled the elements. They battled weird creatures, I think. It's re- my memory on it's really hazy, but what I do remember is holes, Stanley Yelnat, Shia LaBeouf, and this scene where him and this other character, they've been roughing it for a while. And, you know, you know the, the nightmare of, like, running from the ground that's falling right after you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. the vibe that's going on. And they finally found some water and some onions growing in the ground. And they, they were sweet onions, and they were just eating these raw sweet onions because they were so tired. And that is the only time that that like scenario has looked good to me as in the context of a desert doing like slave labor labor for these like just terrible looking men but just picturing like walking in like sam's club or walmart whatever it is (laughs) like one of those nasty white onions i just just like like, taking a bite like it's an apple (laughs) okay no (laughs) there's not enough cold water in the world to like wash that feeling out of my mouth okay so that was a fun game yeah great so teaching artists blah blah blah. that's awesome i did some teaching artisting myself yeah it was fun what, I really what, liked it. The age of the kids? Um, K through five. It just depends. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of kindergarten classes, but I would also substitute some fifth grade classes. That's a fun age, though. Fifth grade. Yeah, it is a fun age because they're there with you. Yeah. You know, you're not really guiding them as much as you are saying no to like, don't throw that. Yeah. But they're th- mentally, they're contributing. I So I'll either go into like high schools with ninth graders and do Shakespeare. And it's hard because you have to unlock it in a way that's fun for them. Mm-hmm. If not, <laughs> they, you lose them and they are shut down. Yeah. Um, How do you do that? How do you um, not lose them on the first day? I go in and I remind them that they can't be any crazier than me. They can't be. It, I, they will not be more embarrassing than me. They will not be more outrageous than me. Um, I do think it also matters um, that, I am a, like, that I'm an African-American woman. I think that that's not what a lot of these kids expect to see when they hear that someone's going to come in and teach them Shakespeare. Right. Um, so I think that that... Um, it's fair. Uh, I think that makes them like a little bit more intrigued. Like, okay, what is this going to be about? Uh, and then I, we try to find exercises that, uh, that open them up, you know, that, that make it more relatable. I found an exercise that had... Uh, I, I just Googled this, and it was like a list of... Um, Famous rap lines and compared to a list of uh, Shakespeare. Cool. <laughs> and we did a hip hop or Shakespeare like game and they had to guess which one it was. And they were so shocked when they like, when I was like, oh no, that's Tupac. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? It's those kind of games that get them going, okay, like, all right, all right, I wanna see what this is about. And then once you have them there and you start to explain the nuances and, and, the little hidden treasures that Shakespeare is so good at doing. And then mm. they find themselves having a lot more fun than they realized. That's cool. Yeah. So what was one surprising, like, what was one surprising moment that you had with a kid that you were just like, 
that stuck with you? Um, like, for instance, with my teaching artist gig, there was this one kid who was super good with numbers and math, and I brought in my guitar. I don't even really play. He got so inspired by what I could do and what we did as a class that he bought a guitar and was had already been taking piano lessons, and so because of his math brain transferred all of those skills and, like, is now interested in music for himself because his parents made him play piano. But now he's like, I play guitar. And th- his parents just emailed me. That's amazing. Well, the, the, they emailed the organization that I taught for, and then they emailed me saying, hey, you know, this kid is interested in, like, keeping contact with you. Mm. You know, we normally don't do this, but if you want, here's the info to reach out to them. Yeah. And I was like, What? Okay, so That's that amazing. was my I just I that was that. my share. I mean, is mine gonna be cool? No. Um, <sighs> that was lame. That was lame, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about kids. Oh, oh baby. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, there has been so many amazing stories. Um, we do this thing called silent movie, where we take a scene and we obviously remove all the text, and we want them to act out the scene. And try to get as specific as possible so that if you only had your body to tell the story, Mm. how could you tell it? And my teaching partner and I decided to do a little twist. So we challenged them all to bring in a song to underscore it. And it was, we were studying Romeo and Juliet. And it was Juliet and the friar scene. And Juliet's threatening to kill herself. And the friar's like, no, 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 I'm going to give you poison <laughs> and you're going to fake your death because that's normal. Mm. And um, these kids came in and they ended up bringing in uh, the song Take Me to Church. And the, take me to drink a ring. And you're like, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, like, yeah. I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, and it was so, they like acted it out so much and they were so like um, in, committed. Hmm. And when they, when, they, when they sat around and they t- explained to us like why, um, they had such an opinion. They, had such, they were so invested in it. They had thought about it. And I was like, oh, you didn't just like find an instrumental, like the first instrumental you could find on YouTube, you guys talked about this right. and you you made a choice. And yep. I think that's what I love seeing my students do. But the other thing is, is that I also am lucky enough, I get to go to Rikers and I, um, I, do, I do improv and drama skills to the 18 to 21 year old women there. And I had um, a young woman come up to me and I was there on my birthday and we learned very early when I took that job, like consistency matters. Hmm. And so, you know, you just try to be there as much as you can. It's kind of heavy. It is. Yeah. And she came up to me and she was just like, man, I appreciate you. And I was like, why? And she was like, cause you're here on your birthday. And that meant the world to me. Like, and you don't really get a lot of wins in those type of jobs. People aren't going to applaud you for doing what you do. So you have to know that you're planting seeds and you're doing the best you can. Yeah. And so that was a nice little win. I felt good. That's huge. Yeah. So I grew up in the church, like I said, and Me there's too. this... You did too? Yeah, yeah. What uh, denomination? Uh, I, I, my mom was Catholic. So my mom is from Tennessee, Memphis. Um, and so there's a lot of black Catholics. But then I chose to to go into the Baptist church and now non-denomination. Mm, yeah. Cool. Uh, I was raised in the Presbyterian denomination. Mm-hmm. I went to a really great church growing up. No regrets. And like that that horrible tattoo meme says, no regrets. No regrets. But. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> I forget the actual verse, but the gist of it is, you know, if not not you reap what you sow but there's this like image of if if you're out there spreading the seed of the gospel mm-hmm. that it, it you will yield something in return it, you will not have an empty yield it's one of my favorite be... ones is galatians 6 9 it's do not grow weary in doing good for mm. you shall reap the harvest of blessings if you do not give up that actually may be it yeah 
Thanks. I actually wanted to get that tattooed. It's like Galatians 6-9. <laughs> yeah. And my best friend was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I'll get Galatians abbreviated. And then and she was like, you can't do that. And I was like, why not? And she was like, you're going to get Gal 69 tattooed to your body. And I was like, <laughs> you're a really good friend. <laughs> I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> so not going to get then, that. And then the context of the <laughs> verse... <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> but you also, there's also like, you know, in the Bible, it says not to mark your yourself, you know? Right. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, on that's a, a different podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. It is a different podcast. But one, on one of my favorite podcasts, there's this um, MMA fighter who is being interviewed, and he's a, a Christian. And it's partic- it's it's a it's a point of conversation because of his profession. It's mm-hmm. like weird. You're a fighter and a Christian, and you have tattoos. And the host of the podcast called him out, like, "Why do you have tattoos?" I thought in your religion, it you know the holy book said not to mark yourself. And basically, the fighter's like, "Man, you know, you gotta pick and choose." <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, okay, you gotta I get pick it. and choose." Okay, oh, so speaking of traveling, you said you travel to Rikers, which is awesome. You just got back to the States, relatively just got back, right? Where were you? This Uh, is what I was talking about, about a very (laughs) special guest and the connections to what we're doing. So Rock Rising sent me, along with some lovely ladies, the Marys and Lena, and we did... Some uh, lovely Gal 69s. Some lovely Gal 69s, (laughs) and that's their group name now, um, to the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we were there from uh, a little over two weeks. I'm saying awesome because it was your hard work. Uh, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. So you're there for two weeks? Yeah. How many shows did you uh, do in two weeks? Ten shows. They, that's a lot. Yeah. And honestly, the ladies also picked up as many showcases because you want to try to like um, pub your show any way you can. And so if... There was like a showcase at night or in the middle of the mile, they would have a stage that you could just perform and try to get people to come. So I, I feel like there was one day they might have done three showcases and still did their, their show. Whoa. Yeah. So that's like four shows. It was a, it, We were hustling while we were there. And crazy. promoting on the street when you're not performing. Yeah. Or watching other people's shows. Or going to see other shows. Right. Either the people that you... Like other female-driven shows. So we wanted to connect with other shows. Yeah. Or, or if you... You had a moment you could try to sneak off and see something you were passionate about, or, um, or we would just all go together to kind of have like a bonding experience. Like yeah. let's all go to this female-driven circus, and you know circus show or whatever. So. That's awesome. It's fitting that you would do that together <laughs> because the play that you were performing in the festival is called Girl Bully. Girl Bully, and it's about can you let the listeners know yeah because we kind of talked about it with mary but it's um de- it's been developed and expanded and you've explored new things since then so i kind of want to know what it became to you guys there yeah um it was uh I, I know you guys did talk about it so long story short the two marys got together they had they'd both kind of written scenes and vignettes and they decided to kind of put it together and create this play if you will um and we did a reading and then we decided to do a one night at Dixon place, which was so successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we heard that they were accepted to Edinburgh, we, um, we kind of actually had to condense it a lot. Um, the space that we were in was significantly smaller. Um, we didn't have the lights, we didn't have the costumes. Um, so we kind of stripped away a lot of things and got back to the text. But mm. the show is just about the exploration of the word bitch and how it's applied or misapplied to people. Um, and so through a series of their own personal experiences or or the shared or the collective experience yep. um, of women, um, we explored it. And it's like, what does bitch mean? And, and um, do we embrace it? And do we get to define it for ourselves? Um, and so, yeah, it was crazy and amazing and really well received. So, so that's great to hear. <clears throat> and I kind of 
when I, whenever I ask my friends about trips and I kind of want to like either get the gist of it or see where the conversation could go, I ask them what their rose and their thorn was of How? the trip. Um, yes, the, the, mm-hmm. the rose was Scotland, like Edinburgh and like the people, the culture, everyone was so kind and nice. And, um, it was just beautiful to see this town. It was so, um, quaint and, um, I don't know, just every single person we came across was just crazily nice. I mean, even people you're like shoving flyers in front, they're like, no, thank you. You know, um, the thorn was, uh, it was a lot of hills and a lot of walking. It was like New York, but with a lot more cobblestone. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, is something you guys don't know. Um, but as of yesterday, um, I'm 13 weeks pregnant so I what? Did, yeah, yeah. What? So I had to kind of like I did it a lot, like with very we may early edit on. in a like a yeah. <laughs> okay. You early on. Sorry. Yeah, so while I was there, I was pretty early in um or in the middle of the first trimester. So it was the walking was, was no joke. Walking was no joke. Right. Yeah. You know, I went to speaking of just being in different cities. Like I just assumed as a New Yorker that my walking, my walking shoes, my walking muscles were fully developed. Uh-huh. But I went to San Francisco and was humbled. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoops, mm-hmm. that's an mm-hmm. angle I'm not used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of weird how just changing your where you are geographically can just change everything about your reality. Right? You know, you're in a different place, and your body is also in a different place. Mm-hmm. And your body being pregnant is also in a different, different, different place. So it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's a lot. It was, uh, yeah, my calves were screaming at me. <laughs> it's kind of cool that um, no matter what, like your child now will like have that history. Right. Of like being there with you. Yeah. I would always think growing up, I would think about that in terms of like shoes. Or like things that were special to me because I'm I can't I don't have the ability to like make a baby inside of my body. Right. But like things that as a kid also my perspective it like shoes were awesome to me. It's like take care of shoes. I can express myself through shoes. And like if I would get shoes for a trip and like it would carry it with me and I'd be like these shoes touched the ground of. <laughs> so I can only imagine that like that with a part of you is like it's just. Something else. Yeah, Josh, my husband, um, was like, Oh, that, that girl bully was Button's first play. And we call him baby Button. And um, That's cute. And Josh was like, Oh, that girl bully was Button's first play. And I was like, So the first mm. play I, my child experienced just, just a play about a lot of bitches. <laughs> so it's like I'm already doing this parenting thing really, really well. Well, at least you don't have Gal sixty nine tattooed on you. <laughs> That would be a whole run right there. <laughs> okay, so Edinburgh. So Rosenthorn knocked off the list. That makes me think of this. I saw some really fun clips of you guys on the street where the Marys were asking, excuse me, are you a bitch? Or all these different like street interaction videos, which is intriguing to me, the whole street interaction aspect. So what are some roses and thorns of the street interactions that you guys had? Do you, or did any moments stick out? Yeah, I mean, our, our most effective uh, marketing tool was also probably the one that maybe we got a lot of like negative like reactions. Of course. Because we, had, we, we walked up to people and we were like, excuse, excuse me, are, are, you, are you a bitch? <laughs> and you know, some people were incredibly turned off by that. Uh, but then, <laughs> but the like, there were so many people who were like, "Yeah, give me a sticker." Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, you really had to just kind of let go and not care what other people thought because yeah. we didn't really have a lot of time to be precious about it. Sure, right. Um, and the people who stopped and talked to us, we were like, "We we really want you to come see the show because." It was the people's reaction to the word is the whole point. Like, come see the show and we can explain to you why we're right there with you, why that is alarming that someone would just randomly say that on the street. Yeah. Um, or why the next time when someone says that on the street, you can embrace it. Um, so 
So what, Rose, Thorne, um, we met a lot of amazing people. Uh, just people who were just, again, just sweet or kind or funny. Yeah. Um, that wanted to stop and engage with us, uh, which was just, it was just nice. And it was a nice reminder, like, that we were catching the wave. We caught the right wave at that time. <laughs> the thorn was trying to avoid all the children. <laughs> and there were also a group of kids. There were so many kids who wanted flyers for school projects. And ours, of course, our flyers have bitch all over, all over them. Right. So this kid comes up and he's like, can I have a flyer? And we're, I was like, uh, no, honey, it's got a lot of bad words on it. And he was like, well, I can handle bad words. His mom was like, Jimmy, come on, Jimmy. You know? And I was like, um, so, That's we, funny. so we had to kind of, we had to, I don't know, we kind of had to like suss out who was going to be cool with it, who wasn't. Do a little bit of profiling. So it does, well, I mean, other than that, it does kind of sound like it was a successful, the message was successfully received. It was successfully received, yes. Um, yes. In terms of like, if we were to juxtapose or, or compare contrast, like NYC versus Edinburgh, what was the, what was the reception like? What did it taste like, if you will? Um, it was... I mean, I think that um, I think that the people that were there for the festival, I think, were very open and flexible. To they, they knew that they were going to see. I had to burp. Sorry, I've had to um, burp several times. I mean, too. what is happening right now? The hiccups and everything. <laughs> um, you have hiccups too. Yeah, you've you been hiding those. I haven't seen. A yeah, one. I've been trying to like it's, it's a secret skill of mine to oh. hide my hiccups. Maybe you hiccuped every time Ben crunched his ice. God, roasted <laughs> birds <laughs> with his face lit by his iPhone, his iPhone 10 on full brightness. Oh. Um, I love your hair still. I just going to say that. Yeah, his hair time. is kind of on point Ben's right now. Ben's hair is high, y'all. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, yeah, New Yorkers are more vocal with their reaction. That's probably the short answer. Like, New Yorkers are a lot more open and they... They'll laugh and clap, and I think yeah. um, a lot of the times the the humans that we had in the audience were <laughs> a little bit more reserved, so I think the girls had to adjust a lot to that, but they were listening. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. They were I still think, there. Was there also maybe a cultural aspect of like listening to a, a message coming from a different place as well? Like right. in, yeah. in New York, it's still like, it's the American perspective right yeah we we tried to we we textually changed a few things that they would fit more european but there was a whole conversation like we're bringing this american show to edinburgh we're not we don't want to change it um so yeah i also think that sometimes new yorkers were laughing and you could hear the pain (laughs) whereas i think the individuals in scotland were like kind of laughing at America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you guys are still dealing with that? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I mean, it's funny in that it's not right. for us, but it's, that's a fun, it's funny. Funny circumstance. Right. Um, yeah. I'm with you. Of them being like, oh, yeah, we did that. Yeah. Or some, whatever it is. So I only really have like one question left, and then after that you can say whatever you want to say or ask me whatever you want to ask me or plug whatever you want to plug. Okay. Okay. So, in many ways, it sounds like you're riding all the waves right now. <laughs> you know, because you have a child on the way with your husband, which is crazy and just really, really exciting to hear about. I'm getting to the age where hearing about pregnancies is actually really it's it it's it strings some sort of chord in my heart where mm. I'm like, oof, I feel that. And I didn't used to feel that. But um, so, yeah. And and also, like, maybe when you were studying acting or when you first felt the spark of acting, looking back and seeing that your work um, as a director is, like, has reaches as far as Edinburgh, you know, it's like you could look at that. If you could peer into the future, you may be like, whoa, that's crazy. I would not think that that, you know. But let's say... You know, we always stay hungry 
for the next thing. That's part of why we do this crazy, weird thing, which is theater and performing and making things, creativity. Like, is there an ultimate picture um, or is there an ultimate rose that you can envision for yourself and now, I mean, your family? Um, yeah. I mean, there's, um, for me, I ultimately want to get to the point to where I'm producing my own work, um, across several mediums. I have a couple of like passion projects that I'm very interested in, um, getting started. Uh, my game plan is to kind of continue to learn, um, continue to educate myself, um, about the business as a whole, kind of fill in some gaps and holes that I think that I, I've had in my own, either my experiences or my education. Hmm. Um, but the end result would be to be producing new works um, and and teaching. I think that if, if I can wake up in the morning and do that and then go home to my family, like I'd call myself blessed. I call myself blessed now, right. but that would be... A lovely life. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I could end it there. Is there anything you need to say? No, just thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah. This has been a blast. Yay. It's been so <laughs> nice and positive and just like, <laughs> this is what it is. So thank you for riding this wave with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate yes. you. And white water up onto the beach, and you we're can't chilling. See me, with I'm surfing. And surfing, surfing with our wetsuits, maybe <laughs> with the fish. <laughs> this podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.